0: Welcome to Daniel Vaynol's Sports Gate. Welcome to my first episode of the Monday Night War Ratings War series. Uh, because there are a lot of questions that some fans might have. These are a couple of questions I would have. Well, I would have had if I, if I, did not watch the the DVDs they released later on. Then these are a couple of questions. I would have asked had I not watched those DVDs. Number one, why did they decide to go head-to-head with Monday Night Raw? And number two, why did they decide to focus on ratings? And Eric Bischoff said in the first ever Monday Night war dvd they did that the reason they did that was because ted turner asked him what do we have to do to compete with as it was called at that time the wwf and bischoff did did not know what to say so he just came up with he just thought to himself the simplest answer he could think of was give me prime time and ted turner said okay so that's why they went head to head with them, was to compete with the WWF. The reason, to answer the second question, the reason they decided to focus so much on ratings was because they thought, because of their their um, ignorance of the business, they thought if they focused on ratings, then, it would, then that's all they had to do to make sure they beat Vince McMahon's show. But what they did not know was that that's only one part. The other part is selling tickets and the, that, that has always been what helped the revenue of the business as house shows. So that is why they eventually had to sell, period. And that's why they eventually lost to Vince McMahon. was because everything they did not know helped Vince McMahon and his company. However, the first show, I'm going to have to wait until next week so I can talk about the actual first ratings war episode because the first ever Monday Night Night Nitro episode did not have a Monday Night Raw episode airing. So the first ever one, I'm going to talk about that just by itself and talk about what helped... Make it so exciting early on. First Monday night Troll, Monday Night Night Troll episode was taped in Minneapolis, Minnesota in the Mall of America. The first match after they brought out Bobby Heenan and they introduced Steve Mongo McMichael as a member of their announced team, along with Eric Bischoff. First match was Jushin Thunder Liger against Flying Brian Pillman, who in the Attitude Era was known as the Loose Cannon. He, um, he, count, he jumped in midair in the middle of Thunder Liger's attempt at what looked like was a German suplex, and he he jumped Flying Brian hit and jumped in midair and rolled him up for a pinfall. Um, let me look at my notes to make sure I'm not missing anything. Okay. What was really great was how they always planned surprises. Um... They next aired a video of Sting talking about his match with Ric Flair later on in the broadcast. And him talking about how he how nobody as far as getting in his face goes, nobody can walk down the aisle to, as, the way that Ristine can, because of the intensity he always brought against Ric Flair. And and uh, he always he said that he always had trouble talking. But when he went against Ric Flair, even when he spoke against Ric Flair, he it really made us, at least myself, believe that he didn't have any trouble. So that really shows the importance of having a really good opponent as far as your character goes. So the next thing they showed in this broadcast was how Hulk Hogan, and I told my mom a few minutes ago that this was Probably just for the show, he had his own in the Mall of America. Hulk Hogan, who was their heavyweight champion, he had his own pasta mania part in the mall that where he would sell pasta, of course. And it just so happens two weeks, two months ago, my brother Shane had spoken about he could see how great Hulk Hogan you um, advertise, how to advertise. And it's just amazing when you look at things like that, how um, how you can know something about somebody knowing how they are in real life and how sometimes it can either help them or hurt them depending on how they act about what they know. So the next match was Sting versus Ric Flair and this. This is what this is an example of how Eric Bischoff knew to create controversy without being offensive about it. In the mid at about say 5 minutes before Rick Flair and Sting even locked up, here comes Lex Luger, who was supposed who was believed to have been under contract to the WWF. That that was one of Eric Bischoff's um, ideas of um, of how to create controversy and how to get people to talk. Because up until that point only people who had been loyal to WCW knew who they were. That's why they needed Hogan and they needed all these other stars to come in because they needed star power just to get just to get um fans to talk about, them. and um what I remember the most about this was how the fun it was watching it was um tag team wrestling was really, really big in those days, along mm-hmm. with ju- along with just general wrestling it as a whole, so what I remember. Was how, if I'm not mistaken, two weeks after this, um, they had part of the open the show by deciding to go against the American Males. And was right after they won back their tag team titles from Bunkhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater, and just. I remember. When I first, I saw, um, back in, I think it was ten years ago, it could be longer. I was in Books A Million with my mother and brother, and I just saw, because they used to have wrestling magazines there all the time, and I saw in one article, somebody wrote about Sherry, and how this was actually the first time I actually found out how some people felt, about her story with uh, the character Colonel Parker and uh, that was when I really started wondering how how people really look at things and just really was curious because to really use the term bizarre, you know that's a strong term and bizarre is usually, When you look at something dark, like, for instance, during Halloween. So when you look at... When you talk about something bizarre, it's usually creepy, like... When you look at something during Halloween. Which is what we just... What we just uh, went past... Last month. So... That's why... So that's why I was really... Shocked that they would say that, because that was a very... Clean very funny, wholesome storyline and people call that bizarre. I just figuratively scratch my head and I don't I know that I am digressing a little bit, but I was just sharing from my heart the way <laughs> that the best storyline of that year um, is also the heav- heavily criticized story. And I'm just kind of curious to know why it was criticized. So if anybody... I don't know where to... I don't know where you hit the respond button. So if anybody would like to respond to that, if they remember that story, please feel free. I'm open to the responses and... I'll be honest if I don't understand them. Because there's a lot of times... People are heavily critical, and it's hard for me to understand. So, please be patient with me as as uh, as I respond to the um to the reasoning. And as I remember, because this led into uh, not just Fall Brawl ninety five, this episode, but this also, Ric Flair and Sting and Arn Anderson. This led into Halloween Havoc which was the next month. That I recall I don't th- I don't think anybody won. Because I think I think they made it look like Ric Flair might have, of all people done the middle finger to his best friend double A, Arn Anderson. So I don't think there was a finish to this match. I think it was just um I think they used this um as a excuse, or as a um, as an add, as an add on to um, to surprise people, because this whole, because this match ending this way was very surprising, especially considering all the years that Arn Anderson spent watching Ric Flair's back in character. So that's what was really surprising to me, and you can can see at the end of this video the surprise. I mean, it got to the point that even their head of security even, was even surprised. And so that was what was really interesting about... Fall Brawl, which happened, let me see if I remember this correctly, two weeks after this. So it's very interesting. These two faced each other, and what, um, I'm not going to say what happened because it's a part of the, because it's a part of this series, but I will say it was very interesting to see... Um. How all this tied together. So in the middle. Of all their. Um. Middle. Of all WCW's. unstructure, structure. They were very. What they were good at. Um. When they. Let. When they let Bischoff be in charge, um, what was good about it was that he knew business. What he knew the wrestling part well enough to where he knew how to put all the store, all the um, segments, and all the little parts together to make it all to make it all work. So that's what was really great about this. We we're just talking about winning a Harley Davidson, and they did a um, a plug or a promotion for their Saturday night show. First match they show, first match they announce is Johnny B. Bad, who uh, who is, of course, Mark Merrill To people who did not watch WCW. That was Mark Merrow before he was Mark Merrow in WWF going against uh, Dirty Dick Slater who was one half of world tag team champions and then the Blue Bloods going against Randy Savage and Sting then a special update on the pay-per-view fall brawl war games. And they were saying it's going to be at 6.05 Eastern on TBS. Bischoff was saying about the excitement of um, this being their first episode, how exciting it is and how great it is. And the next match is the main event, Big Bubba against... Hulk Hogan. Um as I recall one he won the match by Pinfall, Hulk Hogan did. And he they started this segment, Our Angle, with Luger. Where he wanted to help him but he also wanted a title match. So that led into War Games also. Which I'll talk about that next the next next week. Yeah, he helped he helped Hogan against the Dungeon of Doom. They were staying, holding things down along with Savage, and Gene Oakley came down and now they were going to make everything um, known very clear what Luger wanted. And for every and for anybody who may be wondering, Luger was offered not even as much as Vince McMahon was paying him. That's why Bischoff, That's why you know in real life it was a surprise to Bischoff that he took the deal. And to say why he took the deal. Was because. There were. A lot of people. he didn't get to work with. In the WWF. That went to WCW. Like uh, Hulk Hogan. And Randy Savage. And a few others. So that's why he took the deal. And. I. To keep. To keep this being a sports show, I'm going to look at the NBA for a second, so that I can see the uh, the the points from tonight. a little slow, so it's going to take some time. Okay. Huh. Indiana Pacers against the Pistons. With 8 minutes and 17 seconds left, Pistons are beating the Pacers by 14 points. With 5 minutes and 51 seconds left of... The game between the Knicks and the Magic, the Magic's winning by fourteen points, and with two minutes and fifty-three seconds left in the second quarter of the Lakers and Celtics game, Celtics are winning by thirteen points. And uh, want to see how m- many minutes I've taken so far? Okay, good got a few minutes to kill so i'll I'll just talk more about um what what I really think was great, going back to my question earlier uh about why what people think, and I really forget what I say, so if I've already said this. Please forgive me. So, because I forget what I say. So, I don't want to repeat myself. But what I will say, because I don't remember saying this, is that just as much as it was fun to watch, you know, for myself and my mom and dad, to watch, um, Harlem Heat's feud with, um, Buck and Slater because of their managers. Uh... Sherry Ann Parker which went from love-hate to both of them being in love with each other which that whole thing was funny as as fun as it was it was also what was also needful was also what the person portraying Parker needed cause he did not have his character was not um and i but it had no life yet. It was still. It was still growing. So he said in real life. Years ago. That by doing this. That's what gave his character. Full life. They brought it to life. In ways that. Had never been brought to life before. It got to the point. That when he started out. He had to read Tom Sawyer. But bo- Tom Sawyer books. Just to have an idea of what a colonel is supposed to be in that in that form. So that's that's how I feel about it. Not just one of my favorite stories, but it was also something that needed to happen for the actor in this character. So that's why I that's why I don't see anything wrong with it, because it was needed. And the fact this is what I really love the fact that they were able to do that storyline without being um, like a regular soap opera, like The Young and the Restless or anything like that, the fact they were able to do it in a way that kids could watch with their parents really was what was impressive to me and so that's why I like That's why to this day it's my favorite because of the innocence of it and the fact that you didn't have to worry. Hello, this is uh, me finishing this episode, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to press stop. Now that I can continue this, what I hope to bring to this series is not just a view, not just a fan's view, but I hope to bring a, a view of somebody who is looking to write, and I hope to bring a view of somebody that is being taught how to write. And I hope not only to bring those views, but I hope to make it fun for y'all and that y'all may, um, think of things y'all may not have thought before because sometimes if you hear something from somebody else, you may think differently. So I hope that I can, um... Make it fun for y'all. Thank y'all and goodbye.